0: welcome back to another episode of Talking Fast. Alongside me every single week is Manager Jacob. Jacob, first of all, how are you?
1: I'm good, Sarah. How are you?
0: (laughs) I'm good. I'm a little sore, but we'll get to that later. Uh, But first, I want to know, what are you eating or drinking this week?
1: Okay, Sarah, for eating or drinking this week, I've got a good one, I think. And this, I'm throwing it out to... First of all, do you say herb or herb? Herb. Herb? I say herb as well. So I'm going to toss out a good um, thumbs up to an herb, dill listen
0: i guess it is an herb i kind of i think i think when i think dill i think dill pickle so i forget exactly. that dill is its own entity Ex- with the pickle this part. is what i'm
1: saying sometimes growing up i wasn't a big pickle fan i hate pickles i still i like pickles on burgers and a few different things now i would never just eat a raw pickle no
0: nope, couldn't pay me to
1: um and i didn't like pickles didn't like dill pickle chips growing oh really up. So I feel like that's a one to one. That's the no, kind of the same I, thing. No, I see
0: No, because I hate pickles.
1: But you like dill pickle chips? I hate
0: pickled anything. Anything that's pickled, pickled onions, oh. anything that's up. I hate pickles, pickles, anything. But I love dill pickle dip and dill pickle chips. Okay. Isn't that weird? That
1: is weird. Do you like salt and vinegar chips? Yeah. So you like everything, like the vinegar, because that's how you pickle stuff, right? The- yeah, but
0: I don't <laughs> like, I think it's the like, the consistency, the texture, like okay, all I'll the like, pickled things. Because
1: I'm not one to speak on on that anyway. But I've come around to dill these days. I had a little dill on some fingerling potatoes the other day.
0: <gasps> oh, that'd be good. It was
1: good. And as we kind of move into like wait, did you of,
0: make the potatoes or did somebody else make them for
1: I made half the potatoes. Okay. That's respectable. <laughs> I, was just, I was
0: meant more of like a restaurant or if you guys I made them. You-
1: oh, no. Yeah, I was at home. Okay. I was at home. And so as we move kind of into the cooler months and cooking more at home and making nice warm dinners, I just wanted to give a shout out to Dill really quick because uh, you might be overlooking it and you might be overlooking other foods that you should maybe give a second as shot an to.
0: herb or herb depending on who you are
1: yeah vote in the comments herb or herb uh sarah <laughs> what about you what are you eating or drinking this week
0: um if you're up on my tiktok game and we haven't talked about this since the new season launched, i'm in my sandwich era i've right. accepted the fact that i am not patient enough cu- for cooking not i'm not a cook i'm not patient enough for it. i'm not but a, a fan. sandwich is an
1: approachable amount yeah of time because it's to- not
0: really cooking in my brain it's preparing
1: it's adding elements to something bread already
0: exists exactly and the most I'm doing is like toasting it like it's so anyways right. all these like sandwiches on TikTok they're like these like Italian sub style ones that have like the burrata on it and prosciutto and just like a balsamic glaze and with a toast oh it's so good and arugula so I'm in that era of my of my I guess not cooking but cooking journey right now and I'm playing around with making different sandwiches and Ooh, having them for dinner. Do you There's do the so best fun.
1: part uh, of making a sandwich and that is when you toast the bread and you, you take s- the knife and you go Gruh, it. Gruh. So That was an we've awful had sound. A, we've sorry, had a like, couple, couple
0: <laughs> burnt Bread incidences, because again, impatience. I go, I'm just going to slap this on the highest level on the, <laughs> on the stove. And then I wonder why it burns. <laughs> of course it burns because it's at the. And the funniest part is I'll be like, why did that burn? And then TikTok comments will be like, because you put it on like the <laughs> hottest thing. And then I'll go, I know that's what I did. But anyways, it's part of the impatience. You got a blowtorch on yeah, it? Yeah, essentially. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still learning like that part, but it's my sandwich era, which we love right now.
1: You should celebrate yourself every day. Okay, okay, I'm into it. What about uh watching or reading this week? What do you got?
0: I'm still reading. I'm still reading the A Court of Thorns and Roses oh, series. Yeah, I am you were talking on about this book number episode. two, A Court of Mist and Fury. So
1: Okay, what's happened? Fill us in.
0: Okay, but I can't really tell you without spoiling things. And it's really complicated because it's fantasy. There's Is it like getting fairies. Better as the oh series my God, goes on. I, I'm I've done a three one, I've done a full 360 if you've read a court of thorns and roses you will know what i mean from one character to the next you're rooting really hard for one person and then you flip your entire perspective on them really? in the second book within the first few chapters now i'm like all in on this other character anyways all to say is the series is so incredible i tried to i love it so much i tried to read it in the car on the way here and of course i got nauseous and carsick <laughs> on the way here but i have never been so like just like Obsessed with a world in a series, and it feels like it plays in a movie in my head. I'm obsessed with it. It's so good. Or
1: does someone own the rights to make these movies? Yeah, like, I already Obviously, I already looked.
0: looked into it because I would have loved. to Also, buy those shout breaks.
1: out to your personal broadcast channel now on Instagram. My I saw that you did post uh, talking about reading in the car. I saw yeah. that you did post to that channel. Yeah. And everyone, go follow Sarah on that if you, you don't can, already.
0: My personal, bro- except for I don't really understand the point of broadcast channels. It's kind of just it's like to update people when you feel carsick. Apparently, but it's also like one sided. Like people can like do polls and stuff, but they can't like interact back with you, which is a little odd to me. Yeah. It's like I'm just like talking into the abyss.
1: There are moderators though.
0: Yeah. And I thought that but then they can reply back which is oh, it's a little odd but we're still figuring out what we're going to use that for. But what about you? What are you watching or reading other than my broadcast channel? Okay, this is
1: wild. This is going to be just a quick one. Everyone has everyone ever has probably seen this movie the notebook right and it's uh a happy yeah. movie is it a sad movie maybe it's a little about is
0: it an overrated movie
1: i think so I but do it's too. you know what there's still there's still a couple of moments that i was like the hair on my arm stood up a little bit because i was like wow that's touching um but this was one of the dumbest uh situations that's ever happened to me it happened at the end of the notebook i never thought about why it was called the notebook and I've seen it probably five times in my life, and it gets to the end. And I, I totally understand that he's reading to his wife this story, but I didn't realize oh, these are her notes. And it's her notebook, and yeah. I was like, "Oh, that's why it's called the Notebook." Did you know that?
0: Yeah, because I also read the book, though. So like, oh, it's a book too. It's a Nicholas. Oh my God, it's a Nicholas Sparks book.
1: Clearly, I am showing my <laughs> cards here. Uh,
0: yeah, it's I'm I'm not crazy about the Notebook though. I think it's a little bit overrated. But if I am in, the, I will watch if I'm in the mood to cry, because I'll cry regardless. Yeah? But If I'm in the mood to cry, I'll watch it. But
1: what I th- do I watch? I like Marley and Me for that.
0: Oh God! I can't watch that movie. I yeah. haven't seen it forever. I can't watch that That's movie. Um, what are we listening to? This okay,
1: week? this came out a few weeks ago. Um,
0: I don't know if he was born here, if he grew up here,
1: but he's lived here at some point. JP Sachs?
0: I he is from here. He's he Canadian. is from here.
1: Yeah, I know he's also lived in like a couple of different cities in Canada. I think. Plus I don't LA. know if he's
0: from Toronto, but he's Canadian. Yeah.
1: Anyway, I've throughout the years have liked songs here and there of his i think he's you know a good lyricist and Mm -hmm. he's kind of pop music and i'm into that um but he had a new album come out a few weeks ago called a gray area and it is full of certified bangers maybe i'll make like jacob's songs to cry to because there are some emotional ones (laughs) jacob's songs are full (laughs) yeah uh but i wanted to give a shout out to him because like the i think it's a good solid album and it's pretty long too so if you're looking for something
0: I feel Go like there. people that are obsessed with JP Sachs are like obsessed with him. Like all the people I know that are like fans are like diehard. It's like yeah. you either like don't really know him or you're like obsessed with him. Well, he's also hard. done,
1: I can't, don't ask me to name any off the top of my head, but he's done some really good collabs too. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. He, well, he did well, he used to date Julia Michaels and he did like the. One oh, with
1: her. I wasn't up on the tea. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah. That's, well, yeah.
0: That was their big one. Like if, yeah. Anyways. <laughs> okay. Um, what about you? What are you listening to? I was listening to my fire running playlist. Right. So i actually, like, asked your advice a bit when I was, like, trying to develop my playlist for when I go for my big half marathon, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, And I think the playlist really played a part in me surviving that thing. Of course. Because you really need to, despite me trying to start with slow music, and I did not start slow, but I towards the back end
1: was that to pace yourself like i tried
0: i tried to it didn't work out that way and i can't even imagine if i had like intense music off the top i would have right right but i did try to pace myself and then the back half was a lot of more like high pace edm bangers remixes to taylor swift songs and i the entire time i had this vision my entire training, this is what I was envisioning, was me running up Bay Street to Out of the Woods by Taylor Swift. <laughs> and I don't know why, but I think just like that song was like my rally cry while I was training to be like, Am I out of the woods yet? Am I in the clear yet? Good? Like, am I done? Am I like done training? It's just
1: an amazing beat. And to it's one it well, of the well, beat like it drops. Is
0: a- so it worked out perfectly because I'd given myself a couple songs to skip I had made my playlist like two hours and 15 minutes so if I wasn't vibing with a song I could still skip but I could only skip a couple times and as I was like coming up Bay Street when I was hurting so much Out of the Woods starts playing and I was like I know this means I have like Three minutes it's left. The it's for the you. end. It's like and as yeah. I as I like finished the last hundred meters, it was when the beat dropped, and it literally was the only reason I had any extra power in me to be able to finish that thing. So Amazing. the playlist does make a difference when you're running.
1: Uh somewhere you went this week. Sarah. I went
0: to the movie theater to go see the Eras Tour concert film movie
1: okay did you stand up at the front and dance no
0: I have a couple bones to pick okay with it. Tell, tell me first of all they kept the lights on way too bright and I think it was a safety hazard because they knew people were gonna dance but the lights were yeah. like on and maybe it's because I went to VIP Two, it was not loud enough I didn't feel like I was at the concert again like my ears were ringing for days after the concert I wanted to feel like I was in that moment again three I was all for the dancing. But we were in VIP. The reason we chose going to VIP is we kind of thought it'd be more chill. Get, get rid and of we went some, to a uh... 9.45 showing. Like we were really thinking it was going to be more low Did you low go key. like opening night? Well, the Friday night, or yeah. The Friday night, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's still... I just happened to have the one group of girls that were like... Which I wasn't going to judge them. I've absolutely getting up and dancing to Taylor Swift. But like directly in my view, like all my friends could still see the screen. I could not, mm-hmm. which was like... I don't know. It was fine. It was fine. I was like, I wasn't like mad about it or anything, but I do maybe wait. I realized I think I want to watch a concert movie at home. Like, okay. I don't think I'm the type of person just to do Just with really, people that you know yeah, are and like, be the right vibe. And I could like make the music as loud as I want to. I can like, you know what I mean? Was it
1: a good, was there, okay. It, the production was, there, was incredible. Was then. it all just the concert, concert? yeah or there, there was there no cut-
0: no it was no documentary stuff it okay. was just the concert so that's it's that's like what con- I
1: love about a concert when they have like movie. the cuts behind
0: yeah yeah I know I normally do too but I think I was talking to my uh, co-worker today because she took her daughter to go see it and it was so cute because she said to her daughter after the movie she goes I just really want to be able to take you to a Taylor Swift concert her daughter's eight and she goes but mommy you just did like uh, like and so I think what that showed me is that this film was made as a way to make the as a way to make the Aeros tour more accessible to people, right? Because it's the most in-demand tour that we've seen in decades. And I was confused why she was releasing it in the middle of the tour, but now it makes sense. She did it. So that everyone could say they got to experience it in the era in which the era's tour is happening well which for is, sure like regardless powerful.
1: of just like outside of how difficult it is to land tickets like they're pricey as well exactly so, like, why not make it accessible
0: and, and that's why i said i'm like you just saved yourself a lot of money she goes absolutely because this little yeah. eight-year-old <laughs> thinks she already saw the concert and she goes why would i need to see it again <laughs> how about you oh that's
1: amazing uh i did something again this is uh hurts my personal brand a little bit but i mm. thought that i would go and be uh great at trivia i hadn't done trivia in a, like pub trivia in a while but i hit a pub trivia last week
0: oh so you did go after the i podcast did go after the week.
1: podcast and let me tell you i think you weren't great on net i lost <laughs> us two points <laughs> i was so con- the problem was is that i was so convinced about certain things and that you were
0: so passionate you'd convince your team that you were right. yeah
1: and i wasn't like talking over anyone to the point of like I'm right you're wrong it was kind of the questions that no one really knew and I was like oh I've got I've got this don't worry guys like this is my time to shine uh clearly I don't have have uh it made out for for pub trivia however we do have a trivia event coming up it might be sold out by the time that you're listening to this though if it isn't you should probably check it out at Snakes and Lattes. Yeah, I'm Taylor, Swift, Taylor Trivia. Swift
0: Trivia. And this time, Jacob's hosting it with <laughs> me. So I hosted Taylor Swift Trivia last year, and it was a success. It was so much fun. And now we're doing it again, and it's Talking Fast Host Taylor Swift Trivia. So it's also like my way of converting Jacob into a Swiftie. So no, he converted me into a runner. I'm going to convert him into a Taylor Swift fan. Okay,
1: that's a fair like one-for-one <laughs> trade. Um, but yeah, if it isn't sold out, check it out. If it is sold out, we apologize, and we'll be doing something like yeah, this again.
0: exactly. We'll do other things.
1: Hopefully, I'll actually be able to bring some knowledge, though, uh, to the experience. Luckily, I'm not going <laughs> to be able to compete. Yeah, uh... I mean,
0: I'm the one that makes all the questions, so.
1: Okay, well, <laughs> we'll, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> we'll see how it goes.
0: But yes, if it's not sold out, check out Taylor Swift Trivia at Snakes and Lattes hosted by yours truly. It's going to be very fun.
1: Okay, well, Sarah, this one's kind of a combined one when I was looking at the notes because <laughs> – we flip flopped from the spring and I was someone who was cheering people on mm-hmm. at the marathon half marathon races in Toronto this weekend and you were running
0: it is true we did flip flop which that doesn't feel like that was that long ago that I was watching you run that marathon. I know no not yeah. I only ran a half marathon that was a full marathon you but did, first of but all so. first
1: of all congratulations to you, you Sarah on Thank completing you. it I was hoping that you would wear your medal to the uh, episode today <laughs> I thought about it you hit your goal I
0: thought about it I did I hit my goal um not not willingly, that's for damn sure. I if Dean hadn't have been with me, I would have stopped. My the thing that I hadn't publicly stated to everyone, because you know, like I never posted my times, I never posted yeah. like my pace or anything on the internet before I didn't want anything influencing me. But I had never so like when I did my long runs, like i only ran 15K. That was my furthest long run. I had never done it like without stopping. Like I had stopped for water or for a gel or a chill. That's a huge difference. Mm, yep. <laughs> um and so for me to keep my pace and not stop was shocking. It's because I hit PBs in the 5K and 10K. It was just not how you're supposed to run a half marathon. Don't follow my advice. But ran my fastest 5K ever. Fa- ran my fastest 10. I was cruising. I saw Izzy with her sign that said talking faster and faster. And I like slapped him. I'm like, yeah, we're going. My <laughs> Nico had a sh- like a sign that says this is your aero I'm like, yeah, let's go. And then it went downhill from there for a little bit. But Dean dragged me along. Like I was, was going to l- say,
1: you were locked in. I saw you just like probably 300, 400 meters mm-hmm. from the finish line. <laughs> and I had a video. I took a video like right in front of your face for probably 50 50- Meters, and I don't think you saw me. No, I didn't.
0: I I, like literally, I see Jacob after the race. I'm like, Oh, where were you standing? He goes, I was yelling at you, and the same thing happened. Like, Nolan, like, Dean tossed a
1: little thumbs up though, and
0: yeah, he did. (laughs) Nolan saw me and like was screaming out, and I didn't see any of them. Izzy, same thing. I was locked into out of the woods as I finished, but yeah, hit my goal. And uh, you're gonna be very, I Jacob was like, Oh, we'll see if we convince her to run a full. I, d- I did sign up for the notification for the lottery okay, for Chicago. Okay, dipping the
1: toes in. I, m- I signed up for the <laughs>
0: notification for Chicago. So we'll see. That registration comes out Amazing. tomorrow. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm not promising anything, but we'll see how that
1: goes. We'll see. We'll see. And I mean. How was we'll being
0: ma- a spectator for you, though? Did you know like what? It?
1: it was good. It was very different. I was talking to Haley. It was actually because uh, I've, I've spectated the race, but like not with, I don't think once with someone that I knew actually running oh okay
0: okay okay. because
1: most of the time i've just been running them myself yeah uh but this time because i'm injured i wasn't doing it so i knew a ton of people and i was going back and forth from the watching to the uh finish line yeah great. graduating people and whatnot uh it was kind of a stressful experience i actually. know trying to like see
0: everyone is yeah, really Haley hard and
1: i were in we first of all it's like there were a lot of roads shut down which is great i don't have a problem with that but it's just like complicates things a little yeah. bit for transit for like which side of the Uber, street you stand spikes, on how you get around yeah, yeah. where do you get around Uh, So we actually were taking an Uber from the east side over to kind of like Bay Street to cheer. And the traffic was so bad, we like got out of the Uber with our coffees. And we're like running running to try to get to the place (laughs) and to see the first person. Uh, So I have a newfound respect for the people that uh, congratulate uh, or cheer people on along the way. And it was just fun to like have the experience on that side Mm -hmm. because I'm always – like as a runner you're always someone who or I am uh, someone who's like especially at the end of the race if you someone calls you out by name or they're Mm -hmm. just like giving you a lot of energy that's a huge boost that I feel so getting to be that person yeah getting to move to the end so it was like connecting with strangers on top of just the people I yeah. knew that were running was also, I, I don't know, I think it was a rewarding experience.
0: shout out Haley, because at the end of the race, when I was talking to them, some woman legitimately ran me over with her stroller and I almost ate the ground because my legs were jello and Haley yeah. saved me. She <laughs> literally caught about? me. She lit this woman like literally was already two feet away going, Oh, sorry. She's like, like excuse she took me, me as your
1: ankles getting,
0: <laughs> she took me out and Haley caught me. So shout <laughs> out Haley. She saved my jello legs. <laughs> <laughs> Our guest today is a longtime friend, former colleague, and my ex-boyfriend actually once named a pet fish after his Twitter handle. Known on the internet as Steven LeBron for his hilarious takes on basketball in the Toronto Raptors, Alex Wong is a former finance bro turned writer, radio personality, and best-selling author. Please welcome to the show, the first time I've had a former colleague of mine on the show as we just addressed. Alex Wong, how are you?
2: What's up? I didn't know Nolan named a Ex-boyfriend. Fish? Oh, ex- <laughs> oh, shoot. I wasn't even listening to the intro. <laughs> Ex-boyfriend My ex-boyfriend
0: Yeah yeah He 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 definitely does not Listen to this podcast But yes He had a pet fish That he named Stephen LeBron After Alex
2: Amazing Did you you tell me this before?
0: I don't think I was the one That told you I think one of my friends Told you Because I never put Two and two together That that's what His pet fish was It wasn't until like Years later. That should have been the first red flag that I was dating someone that named their fish after a Twitter personality, (laughs) but... Yo, that's
1: amazing. It's a huge honor, to be honest. I was gonna say, you don't hear a lot of people who actually have pet fish anymore either, so, like, respect to
0: Yeah, I think he was scared of everything else, but... Um, we're here like not just because Alex is one of my good friends, but also because he just came out with this book, Prehistoric. Give us a Coles notes if you were to tell me why I should buy and read this book. Yeah.
2: Prehistoric is the history, the origin story of the Toronto Raptors. It covers a period between 93 to 96. And what I did for this project over the last two years was interview over 140 people that was involved in the organization from players front office celebrity fans and just everybody that was involved in the very beginning so a lot of stuff that i do like i write a lot about sports but Mm -hmm. i try to come at it from i guess like a like a culturally friendly perspective Mm -hmm. so like people have asked me like oh i'm not a huge basketball fan like can i still read this book and understand this book and this is what i try to tell everybody is that you know, this book is really just about stories, the stories of people here in Toronto and the story of the basketball community and the story of how uh, an NBA team is able to come together from the ground up in the early years.
0: This isn't your first book, though. You've actually written two two others, right? Yes. So what was the inspiration, though, for, like, this one? Was this a story you always wanted to tell or one that you didn't think had been told properly? Or, like, what was the inspiration?
2: Yeah, I think a combination of those things. And I think the other thing, too, is... I write a little bit about it in the intro just about my own personal story like i immigrated here to toronto from hong kong with my family in 92 when i was eight years old at the time and it was really hard for me as like a chinese kid coming here like learning a new language like Mm -hmm. trying to make new friends to really find like a community and the first time that i really found community was when i got into basketball and i joined like my high school basketball team Mm -hmm. and like I just really found I know it sounds a little cliche and stuff but it's like I really found like through sports like I was able to just speak a more common language Mm -hmm. with everybody that I knew and I've been a Raptors fan since the very beginning so like a lot of this is like personal to me like I've always been very curious have a lot of questions about like the beginning of the team Mm -hmm. so like this was more for me to like satisfy my own curiosity and then hopefully people can be interested too.
1: Were there any standout interviews then uh, with people that you spoke to maybe who weren't a part of the team, the organization, or the players that maybe, you know, stand out as as interesting for the yeah, book? Yeah,
2: so the one that I've been using to promo, because I guess he's like the most famous name that's in the book, is like Samuel Al Jackson was actually a Amazing. celebrity fan during the first season. So oh it's, shit! Yeah, so what happened was like he was filming a movie here in Toronto, The Long Kiss Goodnight and at the time he had a relationship with some of the guys in the front office on the team. Mm-hmm. And if you guys remember, like the Raptors used to play at the at the Sky Dome. Yeah. Mm. So they were trying to draw fans, right? Like this is like a first year team, it's a hockey town, there's not a lot of interest. So the team was like, hey, whenever you have time, just like come to the Sky Dome and like come watch games. So he would just show up and like sit courtside. And I was actually able to, through my friend Elaine Kwan who worked with the team and became friends with Samuel Jackson and still keeps in touch with them, get like an interview with Samuel L. Jackson wow. and like actually ask him what the experience was like. And the other thing, I don't know if you guys remember. So in the Quentin Tarantino movie, Jackie Brown, he plays like, he plays this guy named Odell. He's like a drug dealer. There's a famous scene for Raptors fans where he holds up uh, a duffel bag and it's a Raptors branded duffel bag. Incredible. So so I had to ask him about that too, yeah, just like course. the behind the scenes of how that ended up coming about. So,
0: Has he been to a game like since, like since the 90s? So
2: he he has, whenever he comes in films in Toronto, mm-hmm. like he'll come support. Like definitely not like I think in recent years. Yeah, But like he definitely kept in touch and like became like even when Vince Carter was here, like sometimes you would see him like show up like courtside and stuff. But That's I just crazy. thought it was neat because like everybody like present day associates, Drake, as yeah. like the yeah. global ambassador, the celebrity, and there's this like really famous photo of anybody Google Samuel Jackson Raptors of him sitting courtside at the Sky Dome. He's wearing like a Raptors leather jacket, a hat, and a whole thing. And people have always like it shows up on like Instagram and stuff when people just post like throwback photos. Mm-hmm. So like that was one. It was it was honestly a very random thing. I just asked my friend Elaine. I'm like, can you actually put me in touch with them? And yeah, that was the shortest. Uh, Google Calendar invite I've ever gotten cuz his agent was like yeah he has 5 minutes. <laughs> so it was like this small and like, it was like 2 to 2:05 2 p.m. <laughs> when you're looking at yeah, I'm like this is I'm like this is insane but we ended up talking for like 9 minutes. Yeah, but so it's it a sliver
0: fun. with Samuel Jackson which is Yeah, it was a hilarious cuz I itself. opened the
2: interview with him too. I was like, "Hey, big fan." He's like, "I've heard that before." <laughs> He's like, "I've heard that. He's like, "I've heard that before. Just please just get to it." <laughs>
1: I feel like we also have to bring back, like even if it's one game every 10 years, but play it in the Sky Dome.
2: Yeah.
0: I think they should. When will they stop that? I mean, like, so you said this is about like the start of the Raptors, like prehistoric. It predates myself. I was born in 96. So I didn't experience any of that, like part of the Raptors. So that's why I'm stoked to read it because I think it'll also like be part of the history. Like I was very part of the new fandom of Raptors fans when you and I worked together at Yahoo and they were in that like heyday of winning the championship. So I guess it'd be cool for fans like me who also like don't know the history necessarily, but at the Rogers center though, like was it full seasons? Like one season two? Like how many, like I don't know. I'm asking you too. Cause I have no idea.
2: Yeah. They ended up playing, I think about two and a half seasons oh, wow. there. A decent amount of time. And then they moved and then they played at Maple Leaf gardens for a little bit too. When, okay. when that was yep. still around. And then I think they fully moved into the, the air Canada center, which full- is Scotiabank now yeah. like in ni- 99.
0: I want to say. Well, Cause wasn't, air canada center at that time was going to be just a basketball arena and then the leafs at the like 11th hour decided to come in right
2: yeah there's like this whole like ownership mess that i get into a little bit in the book too because mm-hmm. like the original owner got squeezed out and then, right. like mlsc like the leafs formed this like whole conglomerate and basically took over like the leafs and the raptors basically the setup that it is now
0: so. yeah i alluded to it a little bit in your intro that writing and working in sports is even though it's like been such you just said a part of like your culture and growing up here was not always what your career was you were you had a whole other life (laughs) yeah i was like i was like
2: in the accounting slash finance like field so like i went to to school i went to school for business and i specialized in accounting and I got my CPA, my my I guess public accounting like license. And I actually used to work on Bay Street at Ernst and Young, like one of the big four like accounting <laughs> firms. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. <laughs> and it was just I mean, I I bounced around a few jobs within that industry because mm-hmm. like I was just like miserable like i Mm -hmm. just wasn't happy and it wasn't until i was like 27 28 Mm -hmm. and around this time like this was when social media was coming up like i know i always joke with sarah like i'm too old for like TikTok and like all (laughs) these new things but at the time it was like twitter was a big thing yeah and like like she mentioned like i had a a fish a fish named after me yeah like I, i i started building just like a personality like sharing my thoughts about sports on there Built a little bit of a following and started leveraging that into like reaching out to editors being like, can I write here? Can I write there? And like the, the, the name, like the Stephen LeBron name, like actually came because I was working at a nine to five job and I didn't want oh, HR yeah, you your to, own, to find me. Oh, I never even thought about that. Yeah. You just needed it. like yeah. your undercover identity. Yeah. I just needed any name because like. I mean, I guess like the statute of limitations is up, but I would use to tweet in like work meetings and stuff, <laughs> not like share state secrets, but I'd be like, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. can't believe I'm sitting here in this like two hour PowerPoint presentation right now. I've done that yeah.
1: previously before I was managing, I, I would like <laughs> book conference rooms just to go and take calls to negotiate deals for my other clients. Exactly. Like, no guys, I'm getting some big work done right now. Don't worry. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah, so I was working a nine to five job at the time and then the Twitter stuff was happening. I was getting new opportunities. So then I was laid off from my last job because they eliminated my role like in this um, like finance company. And I remember sitting in the room with the HR person and just telling them, I'm like, yo, I'm going to quit this whole industry. I'm gonna move to New York and I'm going to write about sports. I remember he gave me the pamphlet. He's like, if you're not okay, just call this number. Cause, cause he, I mean, I don't even blame him. Man. I don't even say yeah, it's a joke. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I'm literally working there as like a senior financial did analyst. Did you have, I know you said you were building the Twitter
1: community, but did you have experience writing or, or I would reporting say I, in any, any? I had
2: like a few just like freelance pieces okay. that I did. It wasn't like I had this whole resume yeah. or experience. But then what happened, like I was married at the time and then my ex-wife got a job in New York. So then I went there as well, like I just left my career behind. And I said that I'd give myself six months to a year to try to build out a new career. And that's when I started hustling, was able to build a lot of contacts and eventually work at a lot of different places. Like I started writing for like GQ, New York Times, like these opportunities just kept coming. And then that just kind of helped propel me into this career that I'm at now. And then Mm -hmm. in 2016, I moved back to Toronto. And since then I've been more like immersed in the Raptor space. And like, obviously I think Sarah alluded to earlier, like working with her too at at Yahoo Mm -hmm. for a few years. Right.
0: Yeah, so we worked together at Yahoo Sports. For those that don't know, I used to work at Yahoo. That was my very first job out of university. I used to think I was so old when I was right there I was like 21 20. like Alex was at my 23rd birthday party like that's like how much of a little was that
2: thing. at the horseshoe at Rockin' Horse, or- Rock and, Horse. Rock and Horse all yeah, of Toronto Horse. Raptors media
0: showed up I invited Alex and he goes yo can I bring some friends brings like 15 members of Toronto Raptors yeah, hit, media. Me up, <laughs> hit, hit me up
2: if anybody wants uh, disposable camera photos from that night of 7. oh please I, I have that's them great. digitally and f- physical copies we need to publish them oh those. my god no we don't no we don't and it was
0: it was Old Town Road to 23 was the theme so it was like satirically like the Old Ten Rope was the song of summer that year. So then I made everyone dress up to go to Rock and Horse, like to buy into it. And yeah. yeah, they all showed up and it was, I like freaked out. It was, I just never thought I would ever see them. Rock and horse, but that was when we work at Yahoo. And uh, for, well, I guess most people wouldn't know. So, working in sports media, like layoffs and stuff are really common. And we experienced a really massive one when we were there. But prior to that, we grew really quickly. We went from being like a team of like eight people at Yahoo. I was like the only girl working the team to like overnight almost doubling our team and becoming like a player. In the toronto media scene i would say especially in the raptor space i helped work on the danny green podcast and that's actually where i started producing podcasts and so we like really rapidly grew it was like a startup energy even though we worked for like a massive media company and it was so much fun like aside from getting free lunch at work every day like we just had like the best people to work with and then on a random wednesday in december of 2019 so pre-pandemic eight of us got like, basically the same eight people i'd hired full-time like eight of us got laid off and i was live texting alex that same day (laughs) yeah it was
2: a it was a whole thing and like the raptors connection to like the 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 day of was when Kawhi leonard Mm -hmm. he had won the championship signed with the clippers this was like his big return and obviously at yahoo all of us were super excited to like cover that day yeah but instead like yeah the morning of like sarah was just giving me these updates and like, so I was freelancing at the time. Yeah. So like I they were all full-time employees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like not to be cold about it, but like this was pretty entertaining to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, at, no, but at the time though, I, I was entertained as, it was at that point. So no, we had been together then like the night before a bunch had gone up for dinner and we called it the last supper. We're live, like we yes, just knew. cause
2: we, we had started hearing we like, whispers. Well,
0: how often yeah. do you get an email from the head of the company going, everyone must be at their desk at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. Something's happening. Like you know something's yeah. happening. Did I necessarily actually think I was going to be one of the ones laid off? Absolutely not. When they only had like three women that were full-time employees, I Mm -hmm. honestly did not think there was a world where I was going to be one of them that got laid off.
2: Well, and I don't think like, not to interrupt you, but I don't think you should sell yourself short too because like at the time, like you were doing a lot of stuff there and like you were doing a really good job there. So if you were just looking at it based on like merit, and obviously a lot of these layoffs Don't, don't Are not yeah, assessed are not that way that. It's like there's no way Like Even though you had uncertainty Going to that day There's no way You really could have been like Oh it's It's gonna it, be me That's yeah. gonna get cut
0: Yeah it was It was weird Like it was I <laughs> That morning I was texting Alex In a group chat And I was like Oh my last streetcar ride Oh my last Starbucks <laughs> order Like all this Like She was very dramatic I was But very you know dramatic. how she is You know <laughs> she is. So then <laughs> yeah. I have to send in the text uh, Like some I'm texting All the people that are getting laid off I go this person's next This person's next and then I didn't text him for a while. He and goes, "Yo, jo- so who? Like who's next?" And I had to go, "Dot dot Me,
2: because you'd been joking about it. Because I've been day.
0: joking about it the whole uh, day. Yeah, my favorite, my
2: my not favorite, my least favorite memory of the day is so Kawhi is at practice in the morning as this is all happening. Right. Mm-hmm. So none of these Yahoo people are going because they're all waiting. Right. So mm-hmm. I go and I'm there and I take this crazy photo of Kawhi. I'm standing right behind him and he's like with a horde of media members, just like this sick photo, Mm -hmm. I post it on IG and one of our colleagues, Keyshawn, who is a photographer at Yahoo, who was also let go, is the first to comment on the photo. And he wrote, you're the photographer now. <laughs> and I was, like, I was like, oh, my that God. Cool. I was so crushed. I was like, and I love Keyshawn. I love Sarah. I love all the people that was That's working there. So cool. I think we can laugh about it now. And no, I, joke, I joke about it because like, yeah. I-, I knew at the time like it was hard for everybody. Mm-hmm. But I also knew like how much talent was in that space. And everybody right. was going to be okay yeah like everybody was i think the crushing thing i think sarah will agree is just like we had such a good group like we had such a good group there yeah. that it was crushing to see everybody like go their own way and like even in the years since i've always joked with sarah to try to get her to work with me again <laughs> or find a way to make it happen yeah yeah like i miss i miss those I days need, like a lot i
0: think that yeah. was more it was like not the like losing the job part that was mm-hmm. that, like the night the day after we all got laid off Alex and Will took us to karaoke in Koreatown and we went and sang like Frozen and Wicked and ABBA and just like like literally drank and sang karaoke hugging and swaying each other we sang yellow like by yeah, cold yeah, yeah. Play? Like,
2: I mean I was just at karaoke this weekend and just sang yellow <laughs> so I love, I'm love. i loving these up. memories no, that are coming back it was <laughs> just like those like cathartic <laughs> like, we, li-
0: like we, we literally still had our company like we had a non like an, an official company Christmas party the week after we all got laid off we still got you, together and had a Christmas party because uh, I had planned it and I was like well we still love these people and We still love. like we were that tight knit and I think it was more the end of like getting to work with so many Talented people that were like minded in a space where we had so much creativity. That's why it was like disappointing.
2: Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week.
1: Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Morning. is that still kind of the space or do most people freelance right now in that side of the business like the sport media business
2: I feel like as someone on the outside of it I feel like it's hard it's it's hard to make it as a freelancer especially mm-hmm. like in this city right like if you're not getting opportunities from the US or like you know I know Sarah's done a lot of stuff including this kind of her own thing right mm-hmm. like independent stuff like it's really hard like financially to like mm-hmm. make it work right and yeah I, I think talent the talent in this city is just so dispersed now you know what i mean like that's true if you look at the the yahoo group like we always joke like that was the year that the raptors won the championship but like we also had like a championship team like we had such like because at the time it's like listen like in this city like for sports media it's like tsn and Sportsnet. those are like the big companies right Mm -hmm. and i can't tell you how many people would like come up to me or like message me and be like yo like we're paying attention to what you guys are all doing at yahoo right Mm -hmm. now like we're making such an impact that people in the city was was noticing and it was hard to explain to anybody about the layoffs because like people just couldn't understand why this team was getting broken up
0: and it was and i think that's why like i mean luckily for me what ended up happening was um because people did respect what we were doing a lot and respected that space and that like it like truly like why was this happening like that there other opportunities were bred from it like any person like we had like we had Vice President of Sportsnet at the time or the President of Sportsnet at the time tweeting anyone that worked at Yahoo that wants an interview at Sportsnet just DM me (laughs) and there's Sportsnet people texting me going what the hell I can't even get full time like it was crazy actually so we clearly made an impact and that's the reason I was able to like find my way back on my feet pretty quickly after was luckily because we had made that but it's just it was never the same it's like it's such a fever dream like it like it feels like that was three years of my life even though it was like really eight months that we all truly worked together
2: no you guys don't understand like i didn't know we were going to talk about this today but like this is like a (laughs) sore spot for me like Mm -hmm. so there's this you guys might know this meme there's a meme of wolverine like holding a photo like he's just like reminiscing (laughs) about something all the time there's a group photo like like there's like Twenty, thirty 30 of us from like the rec room. yeah from the rec room when we had this like summer party during that stretch And like I legit have that photo saved on my phone and I will send it randomly to like former Yahoo people (laughs) and I will look at it from time to time. I'm like, yo, remember these days? And then it becomes a whole like hour conversation just reminiscing about like our favorite memories. Someone's got to make like a sports,
1: like the whole, like the Jordan series, for example. (laughs) No, this
0: will be way way too (laughs) (laughs) self-indulgent. No, but the thing is, this is just how we felt internally. Like externally, like no one, like this is so insider sports media, but I guess like, For me, it was just I was really lucky to come in and start my career in that space because I got to work with really talented people and like got to make like friendships and relationships with people that are still like in my corner. I know to this day, which is amazing. And I know not that many people are that lucky. I was very spoiled early on into my career. But yeah, it's just it's never felt like this. I think it's also because like we felt like underdogs underestimated (laughs) by everyone because we weren't at one of the big networks. Now you work at one of the big networks, so you are...
2: You know, I got to follow the money, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. <laughs> like I said. Yeah.
0: Exactly, but yeah, it was it was definitely an era, and it, it is like... You should just write a whole book about that. That should be your next book, is no, about I mean, the Toronto I Sports I think Jacob's League. right,
2: like a, doc, a documentary, maybe not like a 10-part. four, four-part, four-part four, Okay, I was going to say reasonable. one part. Yeah. I mean, God does we, we have all the off, footage? How, how about we spin off into a limited podcast series?
1: You oh, know? we could. Okay, actually, you know what, I'd let's, be that. Let's think about that. that. And let's then we see
0: where everyone is now, where they've gone after...
1: Do you have, speaking seriously though, but like looking at, uh, someone who's already written three books now, uh, would you do another, do you have another topic that
2: you do want to cover? Yeah. So I think we're going to talk about this, but like, actually, like I was finishing this book. So the last book I wrote, I'll take a step back. So the last book I wrote was during the height of like the pandemic Mm -hmm. lockdown. Um, and for me, like it was a great process for me because I don't know about you guys, like it just gave me a routine. Mm -hmm. Like I would wake up, like maybe go for a walk, a bike ride, come home, interview some people, do some writing, feel like, oh, like I'm actually having a routine because there's nothing to do right now. This book I was doing as we were coming out of the lockdown. And as I started getting busy with like my full time job now, I was balancing the two. Mm -hmm. And like legit, I I joke to my friends, but this book really did send me to therapy because like for the first time in my life, because like the work was just like I just couldn't manage it. Yeah, like it was way too much. So like to answer your question, I'm not thinking about writing another book right now just because like this, like I'm so proud of this project. I love this project. I love the feedback that I'm getting from people, how excited people are. But when I think about this and I've talked about this over and over again in therapy, too, it's like I associate finishing this project with a lot of like not good memories. Right. Yeah. Just because just because like it was a tough part in my life, like finishing this book, like at the beginning of this year. So I do have a lot of other ideas that I want to do, but I think it's just like, I recognize that like the undertaking of like writing a book and a book that you can be proud of, like mm-hmm. it's it, it, the, the heavy lifting that it takes. It's just like, it's a lot, like it's a
1: lot. Had you done therapy before? Like, would you be getting back into it? No, it was first time. No, it was
2: my very first time. So like I actually had like a panic attack and probably the first time I just like experienced those things. And I think mm-hmm. I lapsed into just a period of feeling a lot of anxiety and also a lot of depression symptoms too, once I started talking to my doctor mm-hmm. and for the first time I, you know, I, I had to think about it cause my doctor's like, I will prescribe you this medication, but you're not going to get better if you don't talk to somebody. Exactly. Right. And like, not to get into a whole, like, you know, like a race thing, like being an Asian, like being a Chinese person and stuff, but like in our culture, therapy is just mental health is just not something especially past generations talk about a lot Mm -hmm. like you're just not feeling well you Mm -hmm, know like if you're if you're going through something like you're just not feeling well and nobody really sees the value of like actually talking to somebody and that's like the context with which like I was raised mm-hmm. like one of the most like I think like quote unquote like traumatic events for me was going through my divorce in like 2016. Yeah. And I remember like there would be times like I would just like break like just break down in front of my sister and like start crying for like no reason because I was just like holding so much in mm-hmm. and I never really like talked to anybody about yeah. it outside of like conversations with my friends. And but I would also be the type when people were like, oh, you should go to therapy. I'll be like, "Yo, what's the point? Like no, no stranger is going to understand me mm-hmm. better than me. Because I didn't understand the concept of therapy.
0: Well, and how it's like, I think the biggest misconception is that you're talking to a stranger who doesn't understand mm-hmm. you when really, if anything, therapy is just having a person there. So when you say it out loud and then they rephrase it back to you, it's almost like you're, you're you are your own therapist and the way that yes. it like cycles yeah. that way. Yeah.
1: I was the same as you before I got into therapy and it was the same thing. It's just like, well, no, I understand where these feelings are coming from mm-hmm. or, or you're
0: so like so I'm self like, or like Alex is notorious for always making divorce jokes it's like you're like I'm. <laughs> it's just the context it's what you did not anymore and I've also anymore. moved on
2: from that just to clarify publicly <laughs> yeah. but
0: like, no but it's one of those things where it's like you go oh I know but I know why I'm sad mm-hmm. I'm self aware mm-hmm. but that and doesn't you're thinking
1: like oh what am I gonna benefit from this process yeah. whereas that I mean maybe it was the same for you Bill. it completely opened my eyes when I started talking to a therapist and I, I think it was probably after the first like three sessions four sessions and it was and it was it was almost frustrating to get to the end of those sessions mm-hmm. and like not and feel a little bit better but also not be able to sit there and and say it was worthless because that's what I wanted to mm. I yep. wanted to prove to myself that like I'll go to therapy but I'll actually like I'm gonna prove to my only to prove to myself that I actually can handle the load that like I've, I've placed on myself
0: oh, that's so and interesting. it was never the case of, of course, course that not. like
1: afterward it worked. you know yeah, I was the process of working. I think so. I
2: was just like you. I was super skeptical the first couple of times going in, and it took me like five, six consultations with different therapists for me to really feel a connection yeah. to somebody. And when I finally found the right therapist, I went in weekly and like I just opened up about things that this I had never talked to people about, like Mm -hmm. at that level. Family, relationships, work, just like understanding myself. And like 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 you mentioned, after three, four weeks, like I realized therapy is not about I told my therapist this, too. I'm like, I thought I was going to come in here, do four sessions, get fixed. And then, I'm like, she sent me on my way. <laughs> like, check, check, it, yeah. check. It's, like, it's like bringing in, like, a broken iPhone. Like yeah. It's like, yo, can you just, like, yo, my screen's cracked right now. Can like, you yeah, just yeah. fix <laughs> this? And then now it's all good. But it's like, oh, oh, you're telling me therapy is just an ongoing process? Yeah. You're telling me therapy is just building tools so you understand yourself? Like, all this stuff. Like, I, I was just not familiar with to the point now that i'm still going to therapy regularly like i take notes now every week like yeah uh, on stuff that i want to talk about because yeah, now i'm taking the initiative of like hey work is bothering this this me this week i want to talk about this i had this conversation with my mom the other day i want to talk mm-hmm. about this like now now it's just like a two-way thing where she's not just prompting me like i'm going in there being like yo these are mm-hmm. immediate things that are bothering me And how do I, like, change that? And the thing I
0: like is when you get to the point where it's not all bad things you're talking about. Mm -hmm. It's, like... I like when I can bring forward things that like, Oh, like this happened, but this is how I approached it. Or this is how I like thought about it. And I like really reflected on how I was feeling and why it made me feel that way. When you can have those moments of like, you can, it's almost like you're like telling your therapist that therapist therapy is working. Cause you're like explaining the good things that happened. And sometimes it's just nice to have a sounding board for good things in your life too, because, and once you have that relationship with them, it doesn't always have to be bad things. Which yeah. Is a really nice I found
1: part. that too. Where it's, it's, I, I, I kind of think about it like it, Assists in contextualizing the emotions that you Mm -hmm. have and those can be happy things those could be sad things Um, and and kind of Alex like you mentioned too it's like when you're breaking down in front of a family member and you're crying and you don't really understand why uh, it really is another tool to help you think about where those emotions are coming from which is helpful too
0: Okay, but now that you're like someone that started therapy and like maybe have like a newfound appreciation or all that with mental health is this something you'd ever like want to explore like with work as well like with athletes and all of that
2: yeah to be honest it's like i've noticed like the last say like five years like athletes especially like in the nba space that i'm in like demar derozan was huge on speaking out on, on mental health mm-hmm. i think kevin love when he was on the calves as well described a situation where he like had a panic attack during a game and like mm-hmm. had to go home And I used to read those stories and, like, I understood what they were going through, but I didn't really. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or it's like
0: you, like, empathize. Like, you're like, okay, like, I get it. Like, you're sad, but, like no but I was just like yeah yeah. you're
2: sad like I'm like I've been sad before too yeah people go through this and maybe they're just going through it because they have such a bigger spotlight on them right Mm -hmm. but now it's making me realize since I've gone through the same process like now it's making me actually like empathize with them Mm -hmm. and like actually understand like every person is the exact same and Mm -hmm. like I think that's just part of understanding it too so yeah it's something that's that I'm definitely like interested in maybe want to tap into Mm -hmm. in, in however many ways but I also feel like I'm in such a, it's such a early in the process for me. Yeah, right of now. course. Like, I still feel like I'm still peeling back like so many like layers and stuff. Yeah. And there's still stuff that like, sometimes I'll be like, yo, I'm not ready to talk to my therapist about mm-hmm. yet. Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, I've been doing, how long have you been in therapy? So now? since
2: like February. Okay. So yeah. I
0: just passed one year mm-hmm. and I just last week told my therapist that I have really vivid dreams. And she mm-hmm. looked at me like, I, I, oh, I remember my dreams every single night. Like there's mm-hmm. never a night I don't remember my dreams. I have really vivid dreams. And she looked at me and she goes, like, she sorry not are you fucking kidding me? But I could tell the look on her face was like, <laughs> you're just telling me this now. And she goes, you know, dreams can mean something. I go, I don't think so. And she goes, I need you to start writing. Like, it's just stuff like that. Like, it's been, here I am thinking I'm this, like, open book with her and I've told her everything. Yeah. And, like, last week something comes up that I hadn't told her yet. So it's, like it's an ongoing thing so it's trust me like you'll you'll be peeling back layers for years i feel like there's no point in your life that you actually get to a point where your therapist knows absolutely everything anyway well kind of
1: back to your point it's just like it is a process right it's an ongoing. it's like going to the gym yeah yeah exactly or
0: working out or but running.
1: That is something as well to go back to the athlete side of things as well. Like DeMar DeRozan obviously was one of the biggest ones. You mentioned Kevin Love as well. But there, I feel like we are in a little bit of a different playing field with professional athletes these days, mm-hmm. especially with the advent of social media. People feel closer to athletes. And that can go both ways, mm-hmm. right? That can be a little bit more straining on relationships uh, that, that maybe they have with fans, or it can be a really positive thing mm-hmm. with, like you're saying, being able to empathize with them. Um outside of the actual like signing of good players and whatnot what do you think with all the research and experience you have in the industry and studying the Raptors specifically what can a team do to become more impactful in positive ways in the world do you think
2: i think honestly it's like providing just providing resources for them and Mm -hmm. creating an environment where players feel comfortable to like Mm -hmm. speak up about these things right because i think it's only been recently that like players have come out and talked about these things. And like if you go back and think about like your favorite athletes from like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years mm-hmm. ago, like maybe they had like a very public episode where they had like a breakdown or something controversial happened, mm-hmm. or they snapped at a reporter or things like that. No one ever looked at it from that perspective. Right. No mm-hmm. one ever yeah, wanted true. to understand. Right. It was just like, oh, this person's just like going off you know the cuff right now like what is wrong with this athlete so I think number one definitely like I think teams um, have to continue and step up and provide the resources but I think it's just like as media people it's like how you talk about these things too right like I think we rush to judgment a lot When we, you know, talk about these players and we can be very critical of them. Sometimes we don't, like you mentioned, create that space to understand what they're dealing Mm -hmm. with, especially in this like social media era. They can hear the feedback from fans all Mm -hmm. the time. Like last year when Fred Van Vliet was here, that's one of the things he kept talking about. It was like, I have to shut down my social media because people are just talking about. My personal life, like yeah. about my family mm-hmm. and stuff, and I'm getting DMs where people are basically just like threatening me because they like lost a bet and stuff. So I think it's oh, just shoot. as media people, like we have a responsibility too in this space to just like be more understanding of that and maybe talk about it more.
0: Yeah, and I think it's also where it's like you like it's humanized. That was where working on Danny's show really humanized mm-hmm. athletes for me. Like uh for those i don't know, he's produced inside the green room with danny green it was the first actually at the time it was like kind of it was like one of the first player podcasts mm-hmm. while a player was actually competing so i know now there's like travis kelsey is when all these people have like in oh now podcasts. you know travis kelsey <laughs> <laughs> that was a very specific drop <laughs> is all i'm saying yeah but anyways but also say is like danny was one of the first ones doing it at the time but it did give me a different perspective because it was my first time seeing an athlete not like in the in, in like the realm of just, like, being at the arena. Like, I was just so used to doing... And, like, or when they're on a media day tour, like, they've got it turned on. Like, when you see a guy every single week, like, record a podcast, and he's, like, talking to his buddies, like, you see a really different side, and it's just, like, you... It humanizes them a lot more. So I think it really puts, like, also, like, a face to the name, and, like, are... And it just helps you understand that, like, even if you're just tweeting something, like, they can probably still see that. People are still people. So I think people are understanding that a lot more about athletes and not thinking so much as they're just, like characters on a screen as well which is like i think what the past used to think about as well yeah
1: talking about expanding i guess like the horizons of how you look at an athlete jumping back to the book prehistoric are there any other kind of elements of the founding of the raptors that people might be surprised
2: by you think yeah i think people one of the most you know popular things that people love to talk about is just how like the branding and the name of the team Mm -hmm. was like based on the movie jurassic park at the time and that's because like the original owner, John Bitov, Jr., like his son, I want to say was like seven years old at the time. And that was his favorite movie. And somehow that became like a huge <laughs> influence. But what I did was I, I dove a little deeper into just how the original uniforms and and the logo was, was designed. They had worked with a creative director named Tom O'Grady at the NBA who had been designing logos for the other teams as well. So there's a lot of tidbits in there just about how originally the Raptor was supposed to be lime green. Green instead of red oh interesting yeah because like john the owner wanted to be not the toronto maple leafs not the toronto blue right. jays not the argos he's like let's come up with something that's like hip and like people would really yeah. like younger kids would really like vibe with and stuff and he, he wanted no red because like that's like the canadian yeah. flag color and stuff so they, they designed the logo to be lime green and all these different colors but then the nba was like no you need some like canadian reference in there so they actually had to like give it up so there's a lot of those fun tidbits in there and i think the other fun part i keep going back to just like telling the stories of, of the people it's like sometimes people don't think about like beyond just building a team and the players like how the different parts of the organization of a sports team has to get built up yeah so like it's a lot of stories in there about how the first ever like television broadcast team was put together Oh, interesting. there's stories there's a backstory about how the first dance team the dance pack was put together and i was able to interview a lot of people that was involved in that and you know there was a lot of you know um tamara mose who was like responsible she was actually on in living color the sitcom she was a fly girl on there and then she got hired to put together the dance team and she like made it a point to have both men and women on the team on the dance team yeah and she made sure obviously like i know people throw out the word diversity but it's like different races like different even she talked about just like different builds, right? Like yeah. mm-hmm. skinnier girls, right? And you know, different types and like she was very mindful of all that stuff and I was able to really dive into that community too of like what it meant for these girls to kind of come together mm-hmm. and it was cool to find out the stories of these people cuz a lot of them were like still going to like high school at the time right. oh, that's like crazy. even university so they would tell me they're like we take the train downtown and we do our homework like on the go train <laughs> and then we'd go dance and then like during a halftime break, like we'd have to like go in the closet to like take a nap because we we're so, so tired. tired. Yeah, so it's like so
0: it's like from all angles. Yeah, this is what I try to tell
2: people. It's like, listen, the players are very heavily featured in this, obviously, to, to kind of cover their stories. But like to me, like this book is, is about all of these other stories. Like I want people to come out of this understanding, not just the origin story of, of the Raptors, but like the backstories of all these people who had their hands in making this happen.
0: Well, make sure you, if that didn't just convince you to read this book, I don't know what would. Make sure you go pick up Prehistoric. It is out now. Thank you so much for coming on Talking Fast, Alex. And you looked like, oh, it's over? Okay, great. <laughs> oh, thank you um, both. Make sure you check out Alex. You can follow him at Stephen LeBron, or you can name your fish after him if you want to do that too. We come out with new episodes of Talking Fast every single Wednesday. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe, thumbs up, all the good things. We don't want negativity here. And we'll see you soon. <laughs>